Alright, welcome back. I am Ollie from near Philadelphia. I'm Cinna from Ohio. And this is Backlist and Chill. But it's a special out of order episode because we're not in a season right now. We interrupt your regular season broadcast to bring you something real stupid. Oh my god, I'm sad, honestly. I, I can't say I wish it were stupider because I don't know if it could be, <laughs> but I, I guess I wish it were more fun. Anyway, uh, so what is it, this thing that could be stupider, could be more fun that we read <laughs> this week? Uh, so what we have here is the Fierce Street Sagas, not Saga, which we did previously, Fierce Street Sagas, and this is... A new fear. So book one in the Fear Street sagas, supposedly by R.L. Stein. Supposedly? Yeah, there's like theories that it might have been ghostwritten. I know that a handful of them were. I don't know that anybody has cataloged which ones. You know, I did wonder, because this did feel different from the sagas, but then I was like, has it just been too long? Were the sagas (laughs) like this too? I don't know. I mean, I've got some thoughts, so, when we got there. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, supposedly by R.L. Stein, our, our buddy Bob. Labeled by R.L. Stein. We'll see. Yes. Published under the name R.L. Stein. There you go. Did you read it with, um... So, mine I read in an anthology, like a collection of mm-hmm. the first three books in the Fear Street sagas. Mm-hmm. Did you read it on your phone? Yes, of course. I don't read anything any other way. (laughs) Okay, so I can describe my anthology cover. Oh, I have the copy of the book, too. Um, Oh, okay, good. All right, then, yeah, if you could give us... I own paper book copies. I just don't read them. Gotcha. All right, well, then. Uh, But first... Yes. I have a question for you, Ollie. Oh? Anything uh, anything new going on at the park? (sighs) So we've decided to put in a Fear Street section i mean it was going to happen eventually right yeah like just by sheer force of numbers <laughs> there's I think. just so many that we can potentially do and this is now the mm-hmm. fourth one we've done so like yeah mm-hmm. but the problem is is that everyone has heard of the the tales about the fears and and nobody wants to build a park attraction <laughs> yeah on fear street uh-huh um but there's this new dude who came out of nowhere mm-hmm. who says that, like, he would be okay building on the the Fear Street land. Okay. But weird shit keeps happening. So, like, yeah, just, I'm not sure anything's going to come of it. It might just sit there as an empty series of lots for quite a while. Oh, so we're going the Evermore route. Got it. <laughs> um, I th- I think that this is a... A good in-canon explanation for why some of our rides just are not functioning. It's on Fear Street. Well, no, because we have the non-functioning Mayfra section. Yeah. uh, That has its own explanation for why it doesn't work. Yeah. And now we have another section of the park, undeveloped, (laughs) half-developed. park. (laughs) But also, uh, it's it's for uh, story reasons. It is for story. So don't worry about it. Yeah. It has nothing to do with our poor management of money. Uh <laughs> nothing to do with any uh embezzlement, any bets zero made curses that went south, nothing like that. It's because it's like this in the book. Yeah. This is like when you wander our park, it is a true representation of how you would read it. 
and or what you would find in the book. This is why nobody is coming to the park. Yeah, I know, it's true. Uh, I do like, though, that like this section has these uh, plots that are just sitting there empty, but the Night World section like has this haunted hayride that we are working on, and it will get finished. <laughs> it's just that each scene... <laughs> takes a time takes time that one we're like really you know really working on it we want it to be the best it can be i like the idea that that part of the park also under construction (laughs) but functional in the sense that you know people go out on the hayride uh they hit two scenes and then they come back there's three Uh, scenes oh i'm sorry they hit three scenes and then they come back or maybe it's just like a little loop right Uh, they're like i guess i'll just go again (laughs) <laughs> there is like a sign at the end that says coming soon no really we mean this one <laughs> this one you can't expect more the other ones never gonna happen that that Mavra <laughs> no. pirate ship never you're gonna be never able to get on it and listen there are a couple actors who will tell you why mm-hmm. i feel like the fear street section is a living entity though because at some point there there will be things that probably happen in that area because it doesn't sit empty forever canonically. Okay, so you're saying that that also has a sign that says, like, stuff coming soon, but much more slowly. Yeah, much more slowly. Also, like, we did get to build, you know, from previous things, we would be building the Fear Street mansion and burned it down so like that's sitting there so i think that's a cool uh photo opportunity for you influencers no that's good that's good though there's a a burnt out shell of a mansion that's a photo opportunity and like people are saying on the message boards someday it's gonna be like a haunted mansion style ride right we'll see and which is great because i do love that that is the story of disneyland's haunted mansion what, that it was a fake mansion and then it was a ride? Oh, no, it sat waiting to open for years and years and years. Really? Yeah. Like, they built the facade and put up a sign about the whole, you know, 999 happy haunts, room for one more. And it sat there for years in New Orleans Square and people were like, when's it going to open? When's it going to open? So that when it did open, it was a huge thing. And like one of their, you know, for the times, most busy days because people had been, you know, growing up there as kids and now they're teenagers or whatever. And they're like, I want to go to this and other adults and things like that, where it was just this, this thing. Cause they were trying to get the ride right. There's a whole documentary on it. It's really cool. So yeah, it is like the Disneyland haunted mansion. In that someday, someday, <laughs> it's gonna be a real haunted mansion right. ride. We're just we're we're fiddling with the animatronics. Mm-hmm. You know, there is only so many ways that you can make a face melt. Ugh, right? So, How do I get those eyeballs to pop just right every time? Right. Every time. That's the thing. It's a lot of trial and error, but it'll be there eventually. Okay. For now, get it for the grand. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see your pictures. I want you to hashtag backlist and chill. Yes, please tag us. Tell your friends to come to Backlist and Chill Land to take a picture in front of our decrepit mansion (laughs) and sit on Julian's lap. Mm. You know, that's also important. Was it Julian's lap? I thought it was um, 
Oh, it was Keenan, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Keenan's lab. But Julian okay. is around, so you can torment him. Yeah. So really, this is a kind of a picture-based park. <laughs> take a picture yeah. with the house. Take a picture with the boys. We're less of Disney's rides and more of Disney's character photo opportunities. I'm fine with that. I think that's fun. Yeah. I love going to see the characters, so. I would if they looked like Julian and Keenan. <laughs> I think that people would really enjoy going to a young adult Disneyland. I think so, too. I think that there's, like, you get when you get into, like, the non-family-centric amusement parks, they aren't as heavily themed as, like, Disney is. Agreed. So... Yeah, no, I would love to see, like, a, a theme park named Mostly Teens. I guess that's kind of just haunts, right? <laughs> like, that's kind of just a haunt. Yeah, but, like, you could have the big young adult novels from however many years ago kind of thing and, like, have a couple areas that kind of rotate out and whatever. But, like, you could have a Hunger Games area. You could have a Twilight area. They were trying to do a Hunger Games park back when it was like the hot shit. Mm -hmm. And that was also a questionable decision. <laughs> well, because District 1 would be very cool. And then District 13 would be like, oh, you want us to go to work as patrons? It just kind of seems like you shouldn't, you shouldn't maybe go like cosplay this fascist dystopian nightmare. Yeah, where they child murdering. Kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This doesn't seem like a fun thing to cosplay. No, no. Like District One, fun funky weird outfits, but you you are a problem. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. You are indeed part of the problem. <laughs> this is why we don't have book themed theme parks. I can, mm. I really can't think of one. I don't think so. You'd need to get all kinds of weird copyright materials. Yeah. Well, I guess you do have the Harry Potter world. So I think that's the only one. Yeah. Hmm. And that's got to be at Universal, so. Yep. Anyway. Yeah. So that's cool. I look forward to taking a picture uh, in front of the Fear Mansion, maybe yeah. with Angelica somewhere in the background. <gasps> I would love that. So with that out of the way, what are you drinking tonight, Ollie? I am just uh, drinking. So I messaged you yesterday going, oh, fuck. I don't have any ginger ale. Because the whole <laughs> drinking part of this podcast crept up on me mm -hmm. and then i realized oh wait back around thanksgiving i bought like a six pack of blue moon to like bring a couple to thanksgiving but then i forgot them because again i don't drink mm -hmm. so i still had a couple of those hanging around so i'm just just drinking a blue moon belgian white it's a belgian style wheat ale it's one of the few beers right like ale's a beer right mm -hmm. someone correct me if i'm wrong but it's, yeah, it's one of the few, like, just a thing in a bottle that I enjoy. I like Blue Moon Belgian White. It's very wheaty and uh, tasty. Oh, good. I'm glad it's yummy. Mm-hmm. It was actually the first beer that someone, like, was like, oh, do you want a beer? And I was like, what you got? Not really, but what you got? <laughs> and <laughs> they passed me this Blue Moon. And I was like, okay. And I was like, oh, it's not gross. I don't hate it. It was the first beer I ever finished. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I still have yet to do that, so. Oh, jeez, it's 
if you don't like beer, man, like, it's just not, there's not Mm-mm. finishing ones. Like, oh, God, sipping. Like, oh, thanks for the beer at this party that I'm going to take three <laughs> sips of and just have it in my hand to seem like I belong here. It's really more of a prop, you know? Mm. Truly. Truly. And people get all kinds of weird beers and you're just like, yay, thanks for this thing. I'm going to definitely pour down your drain. <laughs> so what are you drinking? So, all right. Listen. I've got a little build up to mine, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I first of all get paid tomorrow, which means I have no money today, right? Mm-hmm. So I can't go out and get anything. Mm. So I'm sitting at lunch, scrolling on my phone, like, what can I make out of what I have that's vaguely on theme? And then I'm like, what's even the theme here? What is the There's theme? nothing. There's nothing in this book that I can look back on and think, oh, yeah, that's a thing from Fear Street Sagas number one, A New Fear by R.L. Stein, probably. Right? That's why I'm just like, I'm just drinking this Blue Moon. I'm not even going to add anything to it or do anything to it. It's just a beer. Right? There's there's nothing. So I'm scrolling through. I'm like, is there some kind of like love curse drink? <laughs> is there some kind of magic drink? And then I stop and I say, I'm putting more effort into finding a drink for my podcast than Bob probably put in to writing this fucking book. Right. So you know what? Fuck it. There's meatloaf downstairs. Mm. I'm not going to bother. That's great. I came home. I remembered that uh, I got Dave some Gatorade when he was sick. So I was like, all right, you know what? Gatorade's blue. Yep. If your amulet's blue, yep. we'll go with that. Oh, shit. We both have something with blue in it. Oh, yeah. 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 So I, I poured some Gatorade uh, on top of some tequila. Mm. And then I added some uh, lime lacroix. <laughs> and uh, it tastes absolutely disgusting. Oh. Don't do this. Oh, it's no. It's a bad idea. Oh. All of those things together taste like nothing but bad. <laughs> oh. It looks so cool. Well, I'm glad because the color was most of the reason I did it. This is the appeal. This this vibrant mm-hmm. blue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very pretty. And I like the glass. I love your picture shot with all of your uh, all of your books around it. You always take nice bookshelf pics there. Oh, thank you. That's the only good thing about it. <laughs> so you're just drinking this fucking bland, or is it is it gross or is it bland? It's bland. It tastes like nothing, but also bitter, you know? So, best of all possible worlds. All right, kids, don't drink it. Nope, don't drink it. There are recipes online for a Gatorade margarita. Don't believe them. It's going to be bad. This is bad. Don't see how you can make it better. All the children should just drink Blue Moon with me. Yep, but it's probably better than this. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm ready to read this blurb. Okay. A new fear. The fear name brings fortune and doom. The dark power of the fear family consumes all those connected with it. The fears. Those they love and hate. The entire town of Shadyside. All are tainted forever by the evil of the family's curse. No one can escape. Nora Good and Daniel Fear hoped to end the curse of the Fear family. But on their wedding day, a horrible fire swept through the Fear mansion, taking the life of every member of the doomed family. 
except one, a new fear, the child of Nora and Daniel. Will he be able to live his life untouched by the evil of his family, or will the dark forces claim yet another fear for their own? I like this blurb better than the book. I would say it's just as bland and vague as the book. I mean, I feel like it makes me want to read the book, knowing the Fear Street saga. I guess, but it doesn't tell you anything you shouldn't you wouldn't already know if you were coming off the trilogy right fair definitely fair and knowing it's a fear street book i do know that no of course he cannot escape the fucking influence god right i wish somebody would yeah that would be great well we did jonathan he was a good boy yeah i guess that's true i guess i guess don't discount jonathan he was a good boy he broke part that's true that was one one variation in a long line of the same story Correct. over and over again. Correct. But I know for me, definitely, I look at this and go, oh shit, there's another one. Maybe he can. But we know that that's not going <laughs> to happen. So. <laughs> you think maybe it'll turn out different this time? Maybe. The answer is no. I think that's why I liked Christopher Pike's stuff. It did usually end pretty hopeful. Yeah, I would agree with that, generally. I mean, generally. I think Christopher Pike... As, you know, thinking, we were both thinking about, uh, you know, L.J. Smith while we were reading this, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that both of them are people, authors even, who give a shit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And some people who will remain unnamed, but not for long, uh, don't. (laughs) Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Which makes it wild that Pike stands up for Bob so much. Like, your buddies, that's fine. But recognize, he does phone it in. Yeah, you know, Pike respects the hustle, and on some days of the week, I also do, but uh, today (laughs) was not one of them. Uh, But I do have a new development in our question about whether or not this was ghostwritten. Oh, what you got? So if you turn to the first page of the book, R.L. Stein wishes to thank Brandon Alexander for his contributions and efforts on this manuscript. That tells me... Bob did not write all of this. If you Google Brandon Alexander author, guess what comes up? This book? A bunch of Fear Street sagas. Really? Including this one. Mm-hmm. And also a couple of Charmed books. Yeah. So he was clearly, and a full house tie-in book. So he was clearly like a ghostwriter mm-hmm. for hire. Mm-hmm. He's Children of Fear as well. Okay. All right. We have more information that's nice i feel validated because i did feel like this one was different yeah that i'm gonna now i'm not gonna read the book obviously or rather any of the the thing but i'm gonna check because i have the omnibus that's the word not in that anthology mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have the omnibus of those three rl stein wishes to thank wendy hale for her contributions and efforts on this manuscript interesting yep now let's see what the third one Nothing. So Forbidden Secrets might not be ghostwritten. All right. Let's look up Wendy Hale author. Is it H-A-L-E? H-A-L-E-Y. Sorry, Wendy Haley. Gotcha. Okay. Wendy Haley. People also search for R.L. Stein and Cameron Doki. She did a book series called Southern Vampires, mm-hmm. and then two Fear Street sagas, House of Whispers and Daughters of Silence. 
and then uh, a handful of novels. And she also wrote a full house high-end novel. <laughs> okay. All right. So the next one is not the same dude who helped Bob with this one. It's nope. a lady. And the third one is probably just Bob. What a mixed bag. What a what a grab bag of possibilities this mm-hmm. series is. Yeah. Especially since it sounds like these two did two more. Who else was involved? Interesting. I love the publishing industry where people have secretly been working for 30 years, but don't put their name on a book until 2002, you know? I know, just wild. Like, I cannot imagine being a ghostwriter in the 90s where it's like, you might not still be in the industry by the time you can actually start putting your fucking name on your books. Right? All right. Well, then there we go. Yep. Now we know. Ghostwritten, or at least partially. Because I know when Bob said that he ghost wrote stuff he would write out the plot points and then they filled in the text i mean i would believe that because the plot points are the exact same as the last three books yeah but the writing definitely felt different definitely felt worse go fucking figure okay i was having that same kind of feeling good 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 good. i'm glad we're simpatico on this yeah all right want to tell us about the cover Yes, I do, because the cover is the best thing about literally any of these books, probably. Yeah, it's a great cover. It's a beautiful cover. I have a first edition. <laughs> Published in 1996. Smell good. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, not a strong scent. How interesting. For 96? Oh, this is a 96. Hmm. <laughs> <could> be better. <laughs> But it's a nice vintage, you know, it okay. smells better than my fucking drink. Honestly, my book smells not like book, but smells better than some of the books. It doesn't have that weird chemical smell. It's just kind of clean. Just nice. Hey, and you, because you have, as you said, the omnibus. When was yeah. yours published? Oh, when uh, you and I were still working on the uh, young adult magazine. I got, mm. I told you I got this in. Oh, and, really? Yeah. I got this in. I saw it was R.L. Stein. I laughed. I messaged you. I remember messaging you about, wow, R.L. Stein is still publishing. And if I had looked at it, I would have seen it was a Fear Street Saga book. And I probably would have been mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm keeping that. But instead you kept it on accident? No, I had to buy this one. I had oh, to get that's like right. That's a right. A thousand books. Remember, it was one of them. That's right. That's right. That's right. So this was published in 2016. Okay. So, you know, what's that Four, five, six, seven years old. Wow. It's a long ass time. But it's ripened. Yeah. Well, maybe all the chemicals are gone. <laughs> it's been cured. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I picked this one up for like three bucks on Biblio. That could also be a factor. You know, it's used books and so maybe it's been stored in a warehouse with a bunch of other books, you know, <laughs> collecting that good stuff. Why scent. haven't some of them picked up the nice book smell? They've been around other books. <laughs> Don't they see? It's because you have to marinate them with other books. Yeah, it's true. You got to be next to other books. It's like apples, except in a good way. <laughs> yeah. And that is our theory of book scent. I'm glad that we're <laughs> developing this as the podcast goes along. <laughs> five years into the podcast. Hey, right. We missed our five year anniversary. We always miss our anniversary because for some reason, the first episode that we did was in November, but we don't do November yeah. episodes anymore. I know. It was November 5th. That's very funny. We must not. We must have said fuck Nano that year. Yeah, probably. So I just want to, you know, excited to have been doing this podcast for five years. It does not feel like that long. Yeah, it kind of doesn't, does it? 
Yeah. Think about it. We would have gone all the way through high school and been out of school for a year. That's true. We could have gotten a degree. <laughs> All right, tell me about this cover. Oh, yeah. So it is, first of all, by Lisa Falkenstern, the lady who mm. took over for Bill Schmidt. And I think she is the one who's done most of the um, Saga's covers. Okay, because they're great. They are great. But they are very much in the same style of Bill Schmidt. So they, they are cohesive with the original 90s Street Street covers. Which is good. So this one is, I would say the dominant colors are like purple and just black. There is a couple, a very attractive couple, centered in the middle of the image. There's a guy with a very devious expression on his face, standing ominously behind a young woman who is looking back at him with a sort of like, nervous like what's he gonna do expression it's like where did you come from they're both dressed in sort of ye old clothing i think this is set in like what the 20s ish okay so this opens in 1901 and i cannot for the life of me remember i thought nora's story was in the 1910s nah it was 1900 i was re-listening to our podcast and okay yeah 1900 All right, so this opens in 1901 and then does an 18-year time skip. Yeah, so it's set in 1919, so, you know, 20s-ish. So she's in kind of a that-era dress, and around her neck is the fear amulet shaped like a disc, three-toed raven claw, blue stones, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) This one's different, actually, if you look at it. Oh, yeah, there's, uh, there's more stones, aren't there? Yeah, more claws. I wish I had uh, another book to compare it to, but they're all downstairs and I'm not going. So uh, behind them, there is a very pretty and ominous purple storm uh, that is shooting off these bright yellow lightning bolts, one of which seems to have struck another young woman who is sort of (laughs) silhouetted in the foreground of the couple. And she's sort of uh, a shad- a more shadowy figure, but you can still kind of see her face. I wonder if that's meant to be Nora. Hmm, yeah. Because the couple is probably meant to be Daniel and Rosalind. I would think so. But Which is very weird. And then the storm. Yeah. Uh, and then in front of the couple, there is a graveyard, and one of the graves is overgrown. And it says FEAR, F-E-A-R, in big capital letters. And on my (laughs) copy, there's a little or a big red star that says new series. (laughs) There's a sort of thin kind of paper shaped border going around the edges of the image. And at the top in a sort of jagged font, Fear Street Sagas number one by R.L. Stein. And at the bottom not raised i would like to to note that oh fear street sagas and arl stein are embossed the title not so much huh. uh in purple down at the bottom there's the title a new fear and yeah this is a very lovely cover i love the colors uh the people on it are very attractive it's a very like gothic feel he looks very yeah. ominous like this definitely feels like a a sort of pulpy gothic throwback novel so it's a good good cover it's so good and this was first published march 1st 1996 mm-hmm. so like this is peak 90s horror mm-hmm. 
But it definitely has like an older, like an intentionally older style, which mm-hmm. I really that love. That 70s feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. I sent you a couple pictures, by the way, of okay. the, the amulet on three different covers. One's very difficult to see, but it's the cover that you were looking at. And then the other one is like, really? That's the amulet? That's weird. Oh, and then it the doesn't one have the stones. Saw. Yeah. It's like, is this when you were making the amulet, maybe? That's interesting. I And then Nora's. I definitely like ours, or this book's best. It's the most aesthetically it's pleasing. really pretty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can understand where, you know, someone would be like, that's pretty and I'm going to keep it. Right? All them pretty blue gems. Although this fucking Dimatio per malum on the fucking back yeah. always kills me. Right? I love that we've come into a time period where people can just read Latin. So you're literally just walking around with a sign around your neck that says, I'm evil. Yeah. Like these kids, uh, you know, these days uh, since the 80s wearing like, um, you know, satanic symbols or whatever. And people are like, oh, hmm, how about that? <laughs> That's true. It's just less of an aesthetic choice for these two and more of like literally just a tell. Just a tell. Yeah. So funny. Time to talk about the plot. Mm-hmm. What little there is. So like our past books, this is split into three different sections. I don't know why... It bothered to split the second and third section, but whatever. No, I don't either. It's so unnecessary. Yeah. But our first section, we get to revisit Nora, and it is probably like 10 months after she witnessed the burning of the Fear Street mansion, and she is in an insane asylum still, which is very weird. I don't know why she was in there. I don't know either. I guess because, I mean, they make her go through... The events of the end of the Fear Street novel again, you know, just to yeah. refresh us. And he calls into question things like the birthday candles being able to catch the mansion on fire. As though that's evidence. <laughs> Which is great because I remember we were like, you definitely did how call do that you out. figure? <laughs> uh, you are this doctor. Uh, and like, that's part of the reason that he questions her story. I don't know. It just doesn't seem like you have much evidence, pal. Yeah, it feels like the way it would have gone is the end of the book and the doctors were like, yeah, we're going to throw away all of Nora's writing. And, you know, like she's been checked out kind of thing. Like The end always felt like, oh, Nora, you've gone crazy and we're here to protect you. This feels like, wait, no, you should have just taken this poor girl to the hospital. Because she escaped a fire and then sent her on her merry way. (laughs) Well, they did take her to a hospital. Yeah. (laughs) She's there and she has a baby and there's no mention of Nora being a writer. Not necessarily a writer, writer, but like no mention of, and I had spent time, you know, writing out the whole story. Mm -hmm. It was telling the story over and over again to the doctors. Yeah. I do love that, like... You know, this is Bob, or not Bob. We can't even say this is Bob anymore. This is Brandon. I know. Welcome to the podcast, Brandon. Hi, Brandon. This is Brandon, like, doing the cheapest backyard haunt version of uh, an asylum. (laughs) Like, it is... It is in a capital A asylum as a cheap horror book setting. So there are like Mm -hmm. people like clawing at their faces and banging their heads on the walls. Right. And just doing like movie insane asylum things. And it's just like, I feel like very 80s to me. Yeah, it is very 
the the laziest possible version. Yep, so much shorthand. Yes, and it's even shorter because like this whole section is super short. So like the amount of time that Brandon has to get across the ooky spooky of the asylum to us is like <laughs> two sentences. I mean, Listen, I know we can't exactly rag on this book for being bad because that would be the whole fucking podcast and that would be real boring. But like, yeah, yeah. like it's it's just it's lazy and bad. So she gets into the insane asylum as far as I can tell, like before it, but her actually being shown in the asylum is from like page 11 through page like 46. So there's like. 30-ish pages. Yeah, and most of it is, I don't know, the process of her escaping. Like, it's just not much happens. And these chapters are fast. They are. Like, I was impressed. There were some times where it was like, chapter whatever. You turn it over and you see the end of the chapter. Yep, two pages, front and back. That's yeah. all you get. That's all you get. That's all you need. And it's like, did you just not have more to put there? Did, like, Bob give you the synopsis and you were like, I'm not going to fill anything in here. I'm not going to take any risks. I'm not going <laughs> to describe shit. Yeah, right. He looks at one of the one of the notes on Bob's outline and is like, okay, yeah, I can do that in uh, about 300 words. All right. Yeah. Check it off. Move on right, to next the next chapter. One. What's the next prompt? You know what? That's such a good point. I wonder, I feel like this is more effort than Bob would put into it, but I wonder if, like, there was a chapter-by-chapter outline and just, like, some chapters were easier than others, okay? Because there'll be times where it's, like, you're reading the chapter and then you read the next chapter and the next chapter is 300 words. And it's, like, why didn't you just tack that on to the end of that previous chapter there, buddy? Right? Did you need to have a 25-chapter book or something? Is that it? (laughs) Right? Because, like, he doesn't have a problem just mushing scenes and sequences together that probably should have some sort of, like, uh, visual break. Yeah. What it feels, um, what I'm saying, Brandon, it feels arbitrary. And listen, I'm glad that you went to your daughter's dance recital, okay? Like, I'm happy for you. I'm happy for her. What I'm not happy for is me right now and yesterday and the day before having to read this fucking book. You could have put more effort in. There could have been more description. I feel like there was a, like, this is this asylum. And, you know, it's not that I want to see a horrible depiction of an asylum, but I'm reading a Fair Street novel. Mm-hmm. I expect more description mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. this place. And instead, the description was just of how scary people with mental health problems. Right. Was. Right. I was never in Nora's position of feeling so trapped mm-hmm. in this small place. The smells, the food. It was all just, she was She was half a step away from Nicholas, 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 <laughs> Nicholas. She did. It wasn't that. She was, it was, um. I will protect you. I will protect you. I will protect yeah. you. I must protect my baby. My baby. I must protect him. I must protect Nicholas. But like, because it was kind of from her perspective, we also got other shit. Where it's like, if she was not the perspective character, it would have just been, my baby, Nicholas, you can't take him. My baby, Right. Yeah. There's not any character work being done here at all. Even less, I would say, than Bob put into it. Yeah. Because I feel like the little bit we saw of Nora in the Fear Street saga original, this lady is just a mom doesn't matter who she is yeah not that Nora had a whole lot fucking going for her to begin with but sadly i know i'm projected 
all kinds of personality <laughs> onto her as a kid. Right? Brandon certainly has not added anything except a child. And he could have. He could have made fucking choices, but he didn't. He just probably wrote this in like a week. Truly, the vibe of this thing is thoroughly like perfunctory. Every sentence is just a sentence to get you to the next thing that happens. Like, yes. I don't even have an example. I'm just going to like open up a page. Perfect. This is, you know, a spoiler for the current section we're on, but whatever. <laughs> As Nora watched, the ship slowly sank beneath the water. Down, down, down. The wind stopped. The sea calmed. The screams stopped. Each one of those is its own paragraph. <laughs> See, and the way that you're reading it gives it gravitas. It doesn't really have that when those are just three <laughs> lines stacked underneath each other. I should do the audiobook. <laughs> I mean, you should. Honestly, like, any sort of personality that your voice gives it would be an improvement because there's no personality it's more than it in lets it. itself have right it's it's so weird to be coming out of fear street book this way because like they they are just a they're just factory mill books right but man yeah. but I, I saw other reviews too being like uh this might be weird to say because it is a fear street book but i feel like it was poorly written <laughs> really other like people even noticed? for a fear street book wow <laughs> so we're not alone well, I'm glad it's not just us, yeah. Anyway. All right. So, it's the insane asylum. What happens? Oh, I mean, it's a series of unfortunate events that just happen to Nora one after the fucking other, like dominoes crashing into each other until she finally ends up in a place where she can stop and do nothing for 20 years while her son grows up to become a protagonist. <laughs> That's true. It's true. I do want to um, give... Special shout out to um, why anyone thought it was okay to have a 12-year-old who is also a patient watch the baby for any amount of time. Good fucking question. I mean, clearly they don't care about the baby, though they should, because that doctor did they sell should. it for money. Like, you should right? give a shit at least about that. But yeah, yeah, super weird. I also love that for some reason, like, Nora couldn't have most things in her, her room because they were afraid that she would hurt herself or whatever but she could have a fireplace with fire in it i know i guess they had to do something but it's like it's 1900 don't you have heat yeah like, haven't you figured that out right it's such narrative convenience because you know everything that nora touches has to die by fire right but it's just like yeah. man this even this little detail does not gel with the three other details that you've given us about this hospital bro <laughs> Um, let's see. Special shout out to, um, Nora has been using her own long, long hair to try to make a rope to be able to lower the baby out the window. I love that. That was a weird ass detail, but hey, you gotta do what you gotta do. And the fact that then they cut off all of her hair. So like imagining her in the, the, the subsequent scene was just like, this lady's gotta look real fucking weird for them. Oh, right. Big, um... Big Fantine vibes. Right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm -hmm. Daniel shows up in the fire when the doctor's trying to separate Nora from her baby because the doctor, as you mentioned, is going to sell the child to a like a rich couple. And I really thought that's the way it was headed. I was like, oh, cool. She's going to have to get him back. No, 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 no. Fire ghost Daniel shows up. Right. And it's implied that it's like kind of the power of the amulet because a lot of things just happen around the amulet. Yep. We get a um, scene vaguely reminiscent of book one of the Fear Street Saga where a dude's face melts off. 
yeah. eyes bulge and pop. It's real good. A moist pop and then his eyes fly out of his head. So good. Oh, yeah. Good shit. That's that's the Fear Street shit. Right. I feel like Bob wrote, this is how it goes. <laughs> Bob was like, see the, the uh, death of Jeremy from book <laughs> one and just sort of do a riff on that. You know, give it your own spin. Yeah, it's, it's an homage. <laughs> it is. It is a good homage. And then the whole place burns down and she escapes and hides out on a boat and oh, has wait. to... Hmm? I'll say you did miss a key part where we get further proof of our hypothesis that in Arlstein land you die and your body just turns into a skeleton because <laughs> the doctor dies and then his I body forgot. turns into a skeleton. <laughs> it just happens. So canon. If you're dead, you're a skeleton instantly. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for uh, hearing our concerns and addressing them, Brandon. (laughs) He was like, oh, you were concerned if suddenly everyone was a skeleton. It's true. It's true. Yeah. So I'm glad we cleared that up. Yeah. It's all good. Now we know. All right. So she's on the ship. She's hiding. And this is like New England. So, you know, obviously there's just some farm farm shit or um, fishing. And the She's in the hold and like rats are getting closer to the baby and she like grabs a rat and like snaps its fucking neck and then like grits her teeth and then like opens her mouth and drinks the blood. And I was like, yeah, yeah, Fear Street, yeah. Wholly unnecessary. I don't know why she did it. I Why not? No. What was the reason? She had to keep up her energy. She had no food. I will drink the blood of this fucking rat. Nora, three drops of rat blood are going to do more harm than good, hon. I know. So funny. Nora. And then some dude shows up and he's like, rah, 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 you're not supposed to be here. And the fucking rats swarm him because he like threatens the baby. And other dudes show up because obviously one of their buddies is screaming and they see her and they're like, she's a witch. We throw her in one of the rooms and a fucking storm comes out of nowhere and mm-hmm. just destroys this ship. And she somehow manages to escape with the baby because the dude put the baby in a trunk and they, they wash ashore like fucking Prince Eric. And decide, oh, we're free and I will throw away this amulet because I don't want my baby to be a fear. And they become Nora and Nicholas Storm. Mm, Very dramatic. Right? It should be. (laughs) It should be the end. I would have been totally happy with this whole book just being like Nora dealing with being a fucking Being a single mother, yeah. I was deeply disappointed. It's ten chapters. All of it is Nora dealing with crises constantly it's like i feel like this was our opportunity our opportunity to get anything from nora and i got to the end of her section and i was like well what a fucking waste (laughs) i know what a waste of nora and especially what happens in section two with her where i'm like are you kidding me like that's it that's all i get forever for nora i was so excited for this book because i love her we get a second bite at the apple and they fuck it up again it's like there were, so the book starts on page five, 53 pages with Nora, and most of them are her just being like, my baby, I will protect my baby, I will save my baby, 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 baby. Yeah. Okay. Oh, also, we need to address that somehow Nora was pregnant. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. No, we, we discussed this in uh, our previous podcast. They took a, yep. a fuck break while they were working on the book, while they were outlining. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> they took they took 10 minutes and she got pregnant. Yeah. That's just how it happened yeah. in the, the 1900s. If you're in a Fear Street novel and you fuck even once, you're pregnant. <laughs> right. This will come back, but it's true. 
Especially these fucking saga books, man. You're right, we have to keep the name going. If anybody gets married, holds hands, kisses. Oh my god, right? Did you did you kiss on the lips? You're pregnant. Yeah. The fear How are seed. kids supposed to know? <laughs> it's this, just this implication of like, you're married, you're pregnant. You kissed, you're pregnant. I like the idea that it's just another facet of the amulet's magic, right? Like it wants to perpetuate the bloodline. So it just makes mm. the fears like super contagious, except for like jizz. Contagious is the perfect word. Mm-hmm. The pregnancy is catching. Yeah. Did you know? <laughs> All right. So the next section, as you mentioned, he's he's had, you know, 18 years to grow up to become a protagonist. Mm-hmm. He's like 19 or 20. And Nora, I want to point this out. It's been 18 years mm-hmm. since 1901. Mm-hmm. And Nora was like 20. Mm-hmm. Nora is very likely younger than me. <laughs> Nora is like 36, 37. Like, she's not that old. She's not that old. And she's described like a lady in her fucking 60s or 70s. Yep. And it's lampshaded. Like, Daniel's like, my mother looks like a woman twice her age. She's had a hard life. Oh, she used to scrub floors and clean and do laundry. It's like, I've met ladies older than me who have scrubbed floors and done laundry. (laughs) For their jobs to raise their children. Nora's got to have fucking cancer. Like, there's just no other... <laughs> like, why not say that? Why not be like, some illness was was taking my mother? Not just, I don't know, she was old and I need to move the plot along. I mean, presumably some illness was taking her because she does just kind of keel over. She does. We don't even get to see her except to die. Yep. Uh, but no, you know what it is? We're establishing the physics, the universe laws of the Fear Street world. Yes, which we did notice in the previous ones. Yes, and obviously one of those laws, you know, law number one, you die, you become a skeleton. Law number two, uh, you hit 22, (laughs) like you age 60 years. Yeah, if you reach 60, you're basically already a skeleton that can move still. (laughs) I mean, that is is kind of how they described Angelica and Simon in the end of that last one. So yeah. Yep, this is the truth of the Fear Street world. If you expect it to be different, stop. It's not the real world, it's the Fear Street world. Right. This is, obviously, you know, Brandon wants us to know that this is a different universe. He's world building. Confirming all of our theories is awesome. Thank you, Brandon. Yes. So, you know, what really, he's an artist. We should give him credit for this, you know. (laughs) In just a couple scenes, he lets us know that there's no such thing as middle age. There's just young and decrepit. And decrepit. You can be young, old, or mega fucking old. It's young, decrepit, and skeleton. <laughs> skeleton, and then and then skeleton too. You can you, if you're walking as a skeleton, that's okay, but you are still considered a skeleton. Yes, right. And when you're dead, you, you jump right to skeleton. Collect two hundred dollars. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. Two seconds. All they had to do is be like, my mother got sick with some terrible disease that has been, you know, withering her away. But underneath, she was still beautiful. You know, I still saw her beautiful eyes or whatever. So that we saw her a second time when it was like, oh, shit. Now her eyes, like the lights going out of them and being like, mom, no, don't die. You know, like, no, we literally only see her the five seconds of her death. Right. She does the, I have to tell you something. (laughs) She tells Daniel that she was trying to protect him. 
And her, his father left him a legacy. And it's like, his father didn't leave him shit. Nope. If Nora had kept, and this is, I'm sorry, younger Nora, older Nora is not you. But if old Nora had left her fucking mouth shut or had the decency to die five minutes earlier, <laughs> Nathan, uh, what's his name? Nicholas. Nicholas. Yeah. Would have been fine. I mean, he was so very Anakin Skywalker being like, Nicholas hated the fish. He hated the sea. He hated the way they're so slimy and cold. <laughs> does he does later on in the book he's like i like working at the sawmill it's not slimy it is it's 100 percent that fucking sand oh i love it yeah yeah it's just that i ate fish and it's like i wanted some description on nicholas i wanted it to be like because he is a fisherman it's like even if he hates the feel of fish or whatever to be like he's strong he's a fisherman his hands are rough prove to me that this boy is a fisherman and that he is, as one might say, a fish out of water when he goes to Shadyside to, like, make his fortune or whatever. Mm. And then be like, oh, you're a big dude. Yeah, sure. Come work at the sawmill. Sounds great. I mean, like, I know how to do hard work. I was a fisherman where I was, you know, like anything. It felt like just this tack on of, eh, I guess this kid was a fisherman. Let's have him hate some fish so that we can <laughs> compare this girl later on to fish. It'll be great. <laughs> oh, man. I love that. But just think of all of the things you just said, like all of the nuance that you sort of interjected into Nicholas's character just by like describing some traits that the two you could seconds have. it would have taken. And then think about how all of that was just sort of boiled down into I hate fish, they're slimy. <laughs> it's like you told me and yet you told me nothing. It's so and I, I know we keep sort of, or I, sorry, not we, I'm not going to implicate you in this. I keep right. circling back to like how perfunctory everything is, but it really is so interesting. It's like if you took... It's fascinating how perfunctory it can be. Right? It's like if you took a book and then just let it stew, you know, like you're making a book broth. You forgot it for a while and then you come back and like all the water's gone. Yeah, it's that. It's concentrated book, except like bad, because there's very little left of it. Yeah, I was thinking yesterday when I finished it about the fact that like, I wish I could just write a Fear Street book Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then go back and fill it in. Because like, I don't necessarily know if there's a plot, but like, you know, there's a beginning, a middle and an end, like stuff Mm -hmm. goes down the line. There are scenes, there's like, text that is supposedly dialogue you know like (laughs) there are scenes good book smell good book smell right like if i could just get the bones the skeleton of (laughs) it out like i could flesh this book out into something more easy super easy why can't i just write something and then fill it in because you know not that this is a good plot or anything Mm -mm. but yeah you look at it and you go dude just make it more I mean, that's what's so interesting about it, right? Because and interesting is being so generous. But like, just the idea that uh, somebody did just write this and then yeah. say, all right, I'm I'm done. And they said, cool, we, we're printing it. Yep, we're, we're publishing this. And now yeah. two people in their definitely not teens are reading it in uh, 2023. <laughs> right? So like, sometimes you can just take a shit and that shit will be there for decades. And I will pay $3 to some <laughs> reseller and I have it in my hands now. Yep, you're holding the shit. Yeah. It's Great. fossilized. Cool, it's everywhere. 
but yeah. it's still there. Fossilized shit. Yeah. Right. Again, I feel like they wrote it, Brandon wrote it in a week to just get it done and get paid probably $400. Right. And you know, when you say it like that, it's like, great. I'm happy for yeah. you. A week for 400 bucks. Yeah. Get paid. That's excellent. It just, it does right. just suck when literally anybody has to read it. <laughs> When anyone who is not a middle schooler who will just automatically fill in a bunch of information. Right, right. I want to read you the opener for Nicholas because it's fucking great. Okay. So this was chapter 11 Mm -hmm. and we are in a place called Shadow Cove in 1919. I know, right? I know. Nicholas Storm hated being a fisherman. Mm. He hated the feel of slimy fish, the taste of salt on his lips, the odor of brine that filled his nostrils. As he trudged home, he carried the stink of fish with him. No matter how often he bathed or how hard he scrubbed, the stench clung to his skin. He hated it. He hated everything in his life. Everything. I'm like, who are you and why am I supposed to like you? (laughs) Put those words to music. (laughs) And then we meet, you know, everything but Rosalind. And Rosalind's different. She's literally not like other girls because she doesn't come from Shadow Cove. She comes from Spain. Ugh. But yeah, that's that's your introduction to the protagonist of two-thirds, supposedly, of the book. Like, mm-hmm. what? And it's it's such a... Ugh, I hate that I keep using the word interesting. I need to expand my vocabulary. You need another word. I'm not thesaurus. It's such a... Um, Fascinating? A, a, you know, I'm just going to say interesting. I'm sorry. I just have to. It's, it's an interesting introduction because, yes... What a shit dude. What anti-charisma this man has as a protagonist. <laughs> I don't want to like anything about him and he's Nora's son. How did Nora raise such a shit child? Right. And Daniel, who was an innocent He was a bit of a himbo, himbo. right? Was he? Yeah. Am I remembering that? Okay. You are. Nora, also, as it turns out, a little bit of a bimbo. But... Oh, himbo for bimbo. Yeah, exactly. You know what? They were made for each other. It really sucks about the whole fear good thing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he is introduced like this, and it does kind of set him up like, oh, okay, this is going to be one of those shitty evil fears. Yeah. It's just in his blood. He can't stop it. Like, this guy is introduced with just, like, the foulest expression, right? But then, you know, you get into the book a little bit, and he's meant to be the protagonist for two-thirds of the book, and he's not evil yet. So they have to kind of pull a reversey on us and give him a little bit of Daniel's, like, earnestness and innocence and it's like i even caught him eating all the time <laughs> like daniel <laughs> it's just like what two instances of characterization you're giving us are not consistent man yeah no not at all you start out with i hate everything everything is awful like dude you didn't have to do it could have been different could have been a, f- a fisherman who longed for more than the sea but had to do it because it was good money for his mom yeah. And she needed her medicine for her fucking cancer. It definitely feels like a, a very teen, like maybe we're trying to appeal to the teens who hate going to school every day kind of mindset. <laughs> or being like, oh, yeah, what's good about fishing? Mm, nothing. <laughs> right. Of course, we would understand he would leave behind his probably ultimately idyllic life uh, in a beach town. Mm-mm, right. <laughs> like, dude, you live in a house your mom probably owns. You live in a fucking beach cottage. All right, I guess you're going to go seek your fortune because right. you hate fish. It's all slimy. Well, and it's also, you know, Rosalind, right? Like his, yeah. he can't marry Rosalind because, of course, 
The classic Fear Street drama, He's a Poor. Classism. And she's not. It's the only ism Bob knows. Or Brandon, I guess. (laughs) Well, I'm going to go with that one. It's definitely Bob. (laughs) That's true. Bob did plot this out. And Bob was like, uh, you know, Bob has a big sack of tropes. Unfortunately, there are only five things in there. (laughs) He's like, no, no, no. Let me pull out another one. That still also says racism. It's the Janet meme with Michael and the good place. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Then they both just say, can't marry a poor. Right? Because his great-grandfather couldn't marry a poor. Simon. Simon was a poor. He or I'm sorry, marry a great-grandmother rich. couldn't marry poor of Simon. Yes. But they do also do another reversey where later on in the book, there is a guy who's fine with his daughter marrying a poor. So I guess that's growth for somebody. Unfortunately, he doesn't survive the book. Nope. And that is absolutely baffling, but we'll get there. We'll get there. All right. So Rosalind can't marry a poor, but does love Nicholas. Mm -hmm. So that's good. Not for her. Not for her at all. She, right. So Nora is dead, dead, dead. And Nicholas is like, there's a legacy for me out there. I'm going to go seek my fortune. I'm a 20 year old kid. I know 20 year old kids. Good fucking luck. (laughs) And she gives him a little gift when he's getting on the train. He opens it. When he's eating a peppermint, like his father before him. <laughs> and it's the fucking amulet that Nora threw into the sea. And Rosalind found it when she was a little girl on the beach. And I was like, that's great. That's great that you've just had this all of this time. He never knew it was his. It was hers. It was hers for like two decades. Right. It's It should be that the amulet is not a memento of his family it's it's of her but that's not really how anybody treats it no it's for the reader who knows that it's the fear amulet yep that was a fun little twist on that one there it's like it was a memory of her it reminded him of her it wasn't his family and yet though some dude let his little girl keep this fucking amulet that says power through evil on the back of it (laughs) right they're fucking like spanish right so like they should that's latin adjacent man you should be able to read that shit yeah you would know you'd know what it fucking says it's like can't this amulet get i don't know tarnished and no one can see the thing on the back that would be great if if somebody had to put effort into finding out that it says power through evil on the back or if it was like inside, if it was a locket and you know, mm. she just never opened it because it was whatever, didn't know. No. And like as soon as he gets it, it like cuts him and he bleeds on it. It's so funny. Right. And I, I don't remember blood ever really being necessary to activate the amulet. So like. Agreed. Why, it was why not. Brandon? It didn't happen with Nora. But it was like it tasted fear blood again. Nom, nom, nom. <laughs> so there are so many things that could be way more interesting if they were just developed at all. Like if they actually gave this amulet some kind of agency instead of just vague mm-hmm. plot powers, like it would be great. <laughs> you, you said it the other day. It's falcon magic. <laughs> yeah, it's it's more ambiguous and less defined than falcon magic, which is quite an achievement. I agree. So he arrives in Shadyside because he saw, oh, forgot he saw a fucking vision of himself right. that just like said Shadyside. The fucking coincidences, coincidences in this book are unbearable. <laughs> and it's all vague amulet powers, right? Like that's how they write it off. They're just like, well, the amulet yeah. did it. Duh. The amulet gave it to him. It's like, fine, the amulet did it. It's just 
Like, there's so many times with this book. And I think that's why the other ones I liked better. Because mm-hmm. there was only that one incident of the little d- girl, the Jonathan's little sister, being, like, mm. suddenly buried in the coffin. Yeah. There was only that one time where it was, like, I random. can't suspend my disbelief. Yeah, yeah it's like random act of ghost violence. <laughs> right? Why does this ghost hate you? <laughs> but all of these ones in this one are just like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Why couldn't you have just, like wandered off and felt like you had to go there and been like oh i'm on the train and i see a sign for shady side and i think what a nice place like that's a coincidence i'll believe well and also it was you know 1901 when nora fled right oh yeah yeah so like listen she didn't go that far she literally washed up on the beach maybe she washed up on the beach two towns away and sure. you just happened to go to the next largest city and it was shady side like i believe that Maybe I've always heard of Shadyside and I thought I wanted to go there. Something about it called to me. Right. It would be interesting. uh, And we did discuss it in part three. But like if Shadyside had a reason to be like developing Fear Street, you know, like. Yeah. Because it was expanding for some reason. So yeah, if Shadyside were some kind of metropolis where he thought he could find his fortune instead of just. I'm going to go off to Shadyside and seek my fortune. Okay, Rosalind. I'll be back. Okay, have fun in Shady Side. It's not far away. Maybe I'll come visit. And that would also be helpful because it is a little, at least I didn't clock, uh, mm. you know, how long it took him to get there. But it did feel like it was a little bit of a trip. Yeah. Because he was like, I asked for a ticket for Shady Side. I don't even know if it exists, but they passed me a ticket, so it must. Yeah, I know. And I love that because that clearly means that it's on the line. Mm-hmm. It's not like I walk up to the train station and I'm like, hmm. I want a ticket to Fitchburg. And it's like, we don't know what that is. Right, where? Oh, well, then I guess I want a ticket to Boston. (laughs) And then I'll take the train out to Fitchburg. Okay. Like, yeah, they only know the stations that are on their line. Even that would have been something if there were, if he had to put any effort into finding Shadyside. I don't know. Again, this is just, if this were a book. If this were a book, instead of Bob's manuscript flushed out a little bit. Yeah. It's... You didn't have to put any effort into deciding to go to Shadyside because a fucking vision told you to go there. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to put any effort into finding out where Shadyside was. You just asked to go there and they gave you a ticket. Yeah, Daniel doesn't really make... I mean, he makes choices. Nicholas. But... I keep going to call oh, him Daniel yes. as well. yes. Oh my god, yeah. I yeah, keep going to call Nicholas. him Daniel or Nathaniel. <laughs> yeah, okay, listen. If we say Daniel or Nathaniel, they're not... Neither of them are in this book, so we meet yeah. Nicholas, so we might not catch it. Nicholas. We apologize in We're advance. sorry, and we've been drinking. Yeah. And also, they all sound the fucking same. Whoa, I said that to you, too, where it's like, even these names are, some of them are repeated from the last three books. So it's like, dude, there are so many more names that you could choose, even generic white dude names, and yet you seem to choose the same fucking names, and then the ones you choose all sound the same. I don't know how yeah. Nicholas sounds like Daniel, but it does, and I stumble over it every time. They sell baby name books at the fucking checkout. <laughs> when I was a child reading these books, I had a baby name book mm-hmm. for my stories so I could name people different things. Exactly. Every baby writer gets one. They're very inexpensive. Yeah. Just 99 cents, man. Not that hard. You could have named him something else. Something that sounds, you know, has a different, like, feel to it, for fuck's sake. Yeah. All right. So. He arrives in Shadyside, and it's so similar to Daniel's arrival. He just feels drawn to this 
burnt out fucking shell of a mansion that I thought they were fucking tearing down in the previous books, but I guess not. And it starts to rain and he like just, he's got to get to this mansion. He's got to see it. Oh man, I would love to live in a big house on a hill like this. And he gets there and he sees the ghosts of his father, his grandfather, his grandmother, I think, and the fire. And he's like, I'm going to leave now. And then there's some other lady, and he's like, she's definitely also a ghost. Yep. And she just stabs him. (laughs) It's like, not a ghost. I don't remember this lady. Was she in one of the previous books? She felt like she should have been, right? Like, she felt like she should have been the one that Daniel had talked to that found Mm -hmm. the book of the sisters Mm -hmm. in that little secret area. But I don't remember, and they never, as far as I can tell, they never even drop this lady's name. They don't give us a description even of her. Like, is she old? Is she young? Like, They only talk about her husband, Charles, and that wasn't somebody that I could place. And I, you know, we didn't talk about him in the podcast, so I assume he did not exist. Yeah, I assume he didn't exist, and this was just here to tell Nicholas anything. It would have made a lot more sense if she had the night off and... No, okay, no, it doesn't make any sense because there were only a couple people that worked for them. Mm-hmm. And I thought they had to get in more servants. Yep. So there's no way this lady was supposed to be working, but well, she, I don't know, was she sick or whatever? Either way, it's a fucking make it up, find a way to give Nicholas information. It's another... Uh... Uh, Aggie or whatever, the random witch who showed up to talk to The one who should have been a good... Yeah. Yeah. There's just no need, except for she tells him, I know the whole story. Daniel Fear married Nora Good. He's like, Nora? Daniel? Those are the names that, you know, my parents are. And he, like, wanders out into the rain to be like, I am Nicholas (laughs) Fear! It's like, no, kid. If your name was Fear, you'd be like, how you spell that? <laughs> really? Just like the word? Okay, um, I don't love that last name. Right. How interesting. I guess my mom must have not been a storm previously. She was a good. Why did she change her whole fucking name? You know, like, there's more questions. He has no curiosity as to any of this shit. No, he just comes out of there with, like, dollar signs in his eyeballs. Like, oh he's my like- god, Absolutely. He just immediately assumes that because his family had a mansion that he sh- he has like an inheritance of some sort. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that all of this land must be mine because the street is named Fear Street. Right. And I do love that they just dump a cold bucket of water all over that in the form of like back taxes. That's honestly <laughs> hilarious. Like what are back taxes doing in this middle grade novel? It does not make any sense either because it's like, what do you mean all of that property would have gone to whomever it went to and they would be paying the taxes on it? Right. Like it would go to the state after so long. It felt like a lie that I was expecting to be exposed. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> no, nah, it was just perfunctory writing. Well, why can't there be any money? Mm, I don't know. Back taxes, kid. I mean, there could just not be any money because they lived in a decrepit mansion and didn't do shit for 30 years. Well, except that like we knew that there were buildings with simon's name on it all over town and that he did have a lot of fucking money 
In the middle story, though, by the time you get to Daniel, it's just the two of them living in their rundown house. But but they should have money. Well, sure, but you could very easily easily believe that they just sort of let everything go after all their kids fucked off. I guess so. And we do know that like Daniel's parents like lived in Boston, and I think there was another brother who like disappeared. They suggest, and the sisters obviously have no bones. I can't wait to find out <laughs> if that's true. I thought it was just a a thing that got mentioned in Nora's Nora and Daniel's section last time. That it was just like, oh, isn't it so funny the way towns will just make shit up and be like, no bones, no bones, Nora. Well, we know what happened to the sisters. They had bones when they died. Exactly. But this next book is, I think, about them after, or is is about Angelica and and Simon post their deaths or or somewhere somewhere along the line in the sagas we go back to angelica and simon post the girls's death so i swear to fucking god if it's canon that they took out these girls's bones i'm gonna be so mad because i just loved the idea that the town made this up it doesn't need to be canon i don't think it is because i hope not but this is the second time we've heard about no bones yeah, I think it's just a callback. I think this next one is pre the children being born. Okay. Oh, yeah, because they're in New Orleans. Yeah, they went back and did a New Orleans story. Good on uh, the lady Wendy. who wrote that. Wendy, yeah. Good on you, Wendy. Yep. Um. Right, so he finds out he's a fear, and he, like, runs through the town in the rain. It's, I guess, exciting for him. <laughs> <laughs> Can't relate. And he gets pointed to a boarding house, and... I do want to point out, I think it's very funny that Nora Good had a dad and he lived in this town and they never fucking mentioned that ever again. Nope. He went out to try to find a different land for them uh, away from the fears. And when he came back, his daughter had apparently married Daniel Fear. <laughs> All of the fears were dead and his daughter was in an, in an asylum. And what? He just never <laughs> tried to get her out? Did he leave town? Did he go move to that other house? Yeah, listen, he's suddenly childless. That man went out and had himself a midlife crisis. I guess. They mentioned the general store even, and um, Nicholas was going to go in it, but decides not to. And I'm like, you fool, you could have run into your grandfather on the good side. (laughs) Missed opportunities. I did know that they mentioned that. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Nora used to work there. That's where your mom and your dad met and fell in love literally immediately right it would have been just real great i would have loved for him to meet him and have the whole scene that everybody else kept having of daniel good or daniel fear you're supposed to be dead they did at least do some interesting well not interesting again they did a (laughs) thing by having their bee goods just sort of floating around this town that's something but like they don't actually do anything with it you know what I just realized? Hmm. All of these people recognized Daniel Fear. He only came up there for his grandfather's seventy oh, fifth. Right. There is no way any of these people should have recognized him. Right, he was there for like what three weeks? Yeah, because I remember that was part of our complaint with Nora and Daniel, where it's like, why didn't you let them be in love for like three months, nine months, something like that? Mm-hmm. Give them a chance to really grow and love each other. But no, these people should not have fucking known. Daniel fear enough to think that his son was the spitting image. Well, you know what it is. Daniel was just super hot. He was like 
a 15 in a town full of like sixes so he stood out like people saw him sexual awakenings happened babies just sort of followed in his path you know women became pregnant they touched his hand and they had triplets honestly there are probably as many fears in that town as goods but like (laughs) everybody just saw him they're like that man is a smoke show i will never forget that face and then nicholas comes and it's like the second coming of jesus except he's hot jesus (laughs) hot jesus it's hot jesus i accept this Mm -hmm. it's fear street yep this is how the world works again world building and you know what the guy on the cover don't blame him it's pretty good that's true All right, so we get him to the boarding house. There's a young girl who I never understand how old she actually is. I kept imagining she was like 13. They say the age of one of them, and it was like very young. It was like 13 or 14 or 15. Okay, because that was my like thought of this girl. I'm like, she's young. The way she acts and whatnot, I'm like, she's just a kid. He's got like a little crush on this handsome man who's shown up. And her name is Betsy Winter. And her mom runs the boarding house. And so, God, his name's not Daniel. Nicholas stays there. (laughs) And he goes off because he knows the girl mentions, oh, Mr. Manning owns all that land. And he's like, cool, I'm going to go talk to that dude. I'm Daniel Fear. And they're like, oh, wow, yeah. You know, everybody knows the fears and everything that happened long before I was born. So he heads out to Mr. Manning's house the next day. And the dude is like, la, 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 kid, there ain't no money, just back taxes, but you can have a job. At my sawmill. That's very generous of him. It is. He's like, this dude just showed up. His name is Fear. I should be like, knock it, get out of here. (laughs) Right? He just walks into your house and yells at you for stealing his land? Like, Jesus. Right? And you say, tell you what, I won't give you land, but I will give you a job. Like, in that moment, he could have said, you look like you're strong. You look like you're probably a hard worker, are you? And he could have said, Mm -hmm. well, I was a fisherman. So yeah, I'm used to lifting heavy shit all day. Uh Great come work at the sawmill but no it's literally forgotten on his way out he gets run over by ruth who is mr manning's daughter um not in a car on a bike (laughs) and his like shirt came unbuttoned (laughs) and she goes oh you should fix that and then she like reaches over and like touches his necklace and takes it out it's like dude that's extremely forward for 1919 Mm -hmm. and she reads it Ed says, oh, wow, power through evil. Do you believe in evil, Mr. Fear? It's a good thing you're not a girl or they'd start calling you a witch, buddy. Right? It's like he's going to carry this shit around, I guess. Anyways, he works at the sawmill. There's like some dudes who actually have fucking personality for once. Oh, I know, right? They're the only ones. It's like, how did these two side characters have personality, but not your fucking main characters? I don't know. But good job, Brandon. Thank you for letting them have some, you know, dialogue. Right. Well, he had, you had to be able to distinguish them so that you would know, you know, when one of them dies, you would know which one it is. You're just like, okay, it was the big dude who got his fingers cut off. And it was the little dude who tries to make everything safe who gets killed. Okay. Yep. And they, they buddy up with Dan- with Nicholas. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. It's literally every time. You gotta take a shot. It's a drinking game now. <laughs> Ollie says the wrong name. (laughs) They buddy up with him until at lunch, Betsy shows up and she mentions Nicholas Fear. And then suddenly Jason is not interested in hanging out with Nicholas anymore. He's like, "Mm, I don't want to sit here no more. He wanders off. I feel like I forget everything else that happens after that until the end. 
I mean, nothing else super important happens except that accidents start happening at the mill. Yeah, that's what it was. That's what I was forgetting. The other dude's fingers get cut off at the saw, even though he had inspected the wood. And you're like, is somebody doing a sabotage? Is it the amulet for some reason? Betsy reveals that she's a good on her mom's side. Which, again, this is that thing where it's like, if only the women's side of the goods had had any fucking plot. Right? This is the first time they've even acknowledged that that is a thing. Yeah, because usually the girls go off and we never hear from them again, or they go crazy, or they die. (laughs) Yeah, they just sort of disappear into the vapor of time. So the fact that we, like, met her mom and her mom is alive and is a character that nothing bad happens to except for, you know... But, like, not personally, personally. Like, she doesn't right. herself die. Yep. Right, so we find out that they're, they're goods, and she's like, yeah, but not all goods don't, you know, are like me. Some of the goods don't like the fears. And it's like, why? Who? There are none of them around. You should not be carrying this with you 20 years later. The last interaction that the goods and the fears had was when Nora Good married. Although, I guess nobody knows about that. Except for the fucking priest. You'd think he would be like, I married them right before and they went off to tell them at his birthday party. It feels like some people do know about it, but Jason and the other goods specifically don't. Because if they did, it might be a reason for them to treat Nicholas differently. Yeah, to be like, oh, you're also my cousin. Because that's what Nicholas uses to finally get some leverage on Jason to get him to stop being such a prick. You would think that there would just be anything. Because like when we met Nora and her dad... There was no indication that, like, she had cousins, and I wish that had been there. Because if they all live here, did they all just move here? Did her dad be like, hey, guys, the fears are gone. Haul ass. Let's go. (laughs) Right? We finally got rid of them all. We can come back and settle this city. Yeah. So much shit I would fucking be like, say it. Just say it. Just meet the dad. Because I was expecting, I was expecting to either have the mom had married a good Married the dad, Nora's dad, and had Betsy, mm-hmm. or her not actually to be a good, but like my mom's first husband was this dude. Like the timing on it matched up enough that she could just be Betsy good. Like Nora's dad could have just remarried and had another kid. Yeah, it is very weird that he just sort of disappears from the story and they don't do anything with him, even though this is kind of a series that is all about, you know, bloodlines. I know. It's like you'd think you'd fucking keep track of who's who and where. Right? Jason's more of a dick the next day at work. He tells Betsy to leave again, but like he takes her off to the side. Mr. Manning shows up and Ruth is there and giving him sandwiches and he's starting to feel sick. And it's like, this is the point where I'm like, it's Ruth. Ruth is the problem. (laughs) Yeah. This is so obviously Ruth. Like he was fine and then he started eating her sandwiches. Yeah, it's so obviously Ruth. I thought maybe it would be uh, a fake out, but nope. It's just Ruth. Yeah, right? Like, it's like, this feels like a red herring. And yet, nope. he gets sick when Nicholas, that's his fucking name, when Nicholas <laughs> gets back to the boarding house, the most ridiculous death scene. It is ridiculous. So he walks into the boarding house. Uh, Betsy had been telling him that she would cook for him. And he goes in to find her body on the floor with her mouth and nostrils stuffed with bread that had then been left to rise so that she suffocated on rising dough which feels a little bit impossible like and like against the oven 
Well, like, I feel like the moisture in your mouth and in your nose would either keep it from rising or you could just fucking swallow it. Like, (laughs) we're like, how much did you shove down there? It's not like you put tape over her mouth. You just shoved this dough in her. I don't think she suffocated on the dough rising. I think it got shoved down her throat and she choked. And then it rose. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Well, they imply. Yeah, no, the book doesn't say that. But like, my thought is. I could see someone being like, oh, you're going to make him sticky buns? Here, you have a sticky bun. Eh, shoving it down her throat, shoving it down her throat, shoving it. And then, oh, she's dead. And then be like, it's going to put you next to the oven and let that dough rise. You know, like, cook the dough. It is very a very camp death, but it's, I don't know. I could do with a bit more camp. Again, because the writing's so perfunctory. It's just like, he found her and there was dough in her throat. There and was the something dough white. Had risen, and she suffocated. Answer, let me see. Hold on, I want to find it. Because there's so few things that are actually fun. Wow. It's less than 10 pages before, like, from Ike getting his fingers chopped off oh, to wow. Betsy. I thought it was longer. Okay. Nicholas's stomach twisted inside him as he stared down at her. Betsy's face, her pretty little freckled face, it was swollen, horribly swollen. Nicholas could hardly see her eyes. The skin around them had swollen so much they were almost completely covered. He noticed something thick and white pushing its way out of her mouth. Nicholas dropped her wrist. He parted her lips and teeth. The gooey white substance billowed out of her mouth. Dough. Nicholas checked her nose. Thick white dough filled it too. Someone had stuffed Betsy's nose and mouth with dough and left her by the stove with her hands tied behind her back. As the dough rose, she suffocated. (laughs) No. (laughs) Not at all. As the dough was shoved down her fucking throat and into her nose, she died. Come on, Nicholas. Come on. Yeah, it's not even a very good description. Like, I guess the swollen face is all right. I thought she'd been beat up. Yeah, but then it's just, oh no, she had so much dough in her that it made her eyes swell shut. Like, Jesus Christ, come on. Ridiculous. I saw someone in uh, the Goodreads descriptions reviews mentioning that, like, this is how bake-off killers kill. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking prues out there murdering people, shoving dough down their throat. I wish. I wish it had been that camp. (laughs) Yeah, there could have been so much more goofiness in, in this book, and there were only, like, two moments of goofiness. Yep. So he goes to Mr. Manning and Mr. Manning is like, we'll, we'll get her buried, but please stay here because I'm sick and clearly someone is out there murdering girls. Stay here and protect my, my daughter. Oh shit, we haven't talked about the daughter. So this girl has the black, dead-eyed, thousand-yard stare of a fish. They're so mean about her. I felt like it was like Simon's younger daughter again, or older daughter. Oh god. Right? Like, all of Bob's books have been uh, misogynistic, but this one is just... This one feels extra me. I don't know. Yeah, this one and and Simon's daughter, I'm just like, yo, you did not have to be. This girl could have been beautiful, because everybody else is. She is cold to the touch. Her skin is clammy and slimy, all (laughs) like a fish. Oh, incredible. Great thematic touches, Brandon. Right? I hate fish. This girl's like a fish. I would never want anything to do with this girl. It's it's the opposite of that Anakin thing where it's like, your skin's soft, not like sand. He's like, oh, your skin's it's slick, like, like a fish. fish. <laughs> and Manning has absolutely been trying to, like, encourage him towards liking he Ruth. He has! 
He has, Ruth. Why? It's so funny because, like, he's met this dude, like, three days and is like, I want you to marry my daughter and I want you right? to inherit my, my sawmill. He's literally worked for the man, like you said, for, like, two to three days. And this man is already like, marry my daughter. I don't know. Yeah. I guess maybe if he thinks, like, maybe the fear name is... I some... wish that had been said. Yeah, but even then, people don't like the fears, so it's not a prestige thing. No, not at all. It's not like, oh, you were fear. Lots of things are named fear. We were so sad to lose the fears. You could bring prosperity back to this town. We could open Fear Street finally. No, none of that. This is just some nice dude who's like, you seem like a nice kid. You're handsome. Marry my daughter. Genuinely, like anybody would have been willing to marry the daughter. She's rich. Money is the most important thing. Come on. Jason should just go marry her. It's been implied this whole time, too, that like Jason was into Betsy. Right. And you would think that Ike would have said, that's his cousin. Yeah. Or anybody, you know, there's not really a good reason to hide that they're goods because the point is that Jason is being antagonistic. Yeah. It's like, just say that's your cousin and you don't want your cousin hanging out with him. This is fine. It doesn't have to be a potential jealousy thing. (laughs) Yeah. Baffling. So Mr. Manning dies because he's been being poisoned. And Nicholas is like, it's Jason. It's fucking Jason. He's the only one who has any potential reason to do this, except for Betsy. That one doesn't make sense. I'm going to (laughs) not think too hard. I'm going to just going to go threaten him and figure out why he killed Betsy. And he goes... To Jason's house and Jason's just like fuck you I didn't do any of that you did that and then he's like no I didn't because I'm fucking good and he's like uh, no you're not no, no. wait what alright bro truce right he's like I guess I can calm down but still I didn't do it Nicholas goes to leave and fucking Ruth is there and she comes in and grabs a fucking hot ass poker out of the fire which I don't know why it's been sitting in the fucking fire but whatever mm-hmm. and st- Dabs Jason in the throat. And Nicholas is like, why the shit did you do that? She goes, well, because now you have to marry me. Because it was, oh, he'd said it was, uh, she'd said it was his, her father's dying wish. And he was like, I'm not going to do that. And she's like, look, I don't love you and you don't love me, but. But I'm rich. Yeah, I'm rich and we could be good company for each other. And she's like, yeah, but now you have to marry me because if you don't, I will just tell everyone I saw you kill this dude. Right? And you're a fear, so they'll believe it. Sucks to be you. You gotta marry me now. So Nicholas says, um, okay, I'll do that. Because he's got a fucking plan. He's got to murder her. Which, honestly, she's not smart. Like, she's just not fucking smart. Obviously, this dude is not going to want to stay with you. He'll just murder you for your fucking money. Yeah, seriously. Like, she, he, they don't, but they're for very bad plot reasons. Like, he could very easily just off you, girl. You're not even a witch. What are you doing? No, not at all. You're no Angelica. Yeah, and I was I was kind of hyped. I was kind of hoping for another Angelica situation. Same. I was intrigued by the idea of here's ugly Angelica as opposed to pretty Angelica. Right. But you, madam, are no Angelica. No. You did not work hard enough to earn your fear name. Yeah, no. Okay, so here's the thing. Ruth killed Betsy and Ruth killed her dad and all the rest of the stuff was she just killed like Jason and she set up Ike. Did she set up Ike? I didn't think she, she was did there. Set up. Oh, right. She was trying to isolate him from yep, his friends. To make everybody not like him. And so she had, what did she say? So that you'd have no one to turn to but me. But like, again, he's been there for, at this point, a uh, maximum of like a week. And two, uh, your dad was totally cool with you marrying yeah. him. Yeah. 
the dad was all for it. Why do you need to murder him? Like, I, he, she's still rich, you know? Yeah. I guess if her dad is dead, she's rich, like, er? she's an heiress. But, like, either way, she's still gonna get the money, so... And he wanted Nicholas to take over the family business. If anything, the dad being alive, you know, puts a little bit of social pressure on there because you don't want to upset the boss. Right? But they get married in a private ceremony because she's still sad because her dad died so it's just like the housekeeper and the priest and his wife i guess are the witnesses like that's it yeah so they get married and then the witnesses are immediately like we suppose you'll want to be alone time to fuck (laughs) they have champagne and he's poisoned her glass and she's like oh i've never had champagne oh wait we should lock arms and tilt it so i'll drink from your glass and you drink from mine i read about it in a book and he's like, oh, shit, but then I would be drinking poison. He could have just tilted it on his fucking face and be like, oh, shit, oops. Yeah, right. There's a lot of ways to get out of this, bro. But again, right? Nick, kind of a dumbass. So, yeah, not even know. a himbo, just a dumbass. No. Nope. He's kind of a dick. He's too mean to be a himbo. Yeah, right? He doesn't have any good intentions here. And then the weirdest fucking thing that I've ever fucking seen in this whole ass book. Rosalind shows up at this door. In the middle of the night, I think. Brandon truly just sort of pretzeled his way into this one, huh? Yeah, like, I want to know what the the note on this chapter said. Did anybody even bother coming up for a reason that she would be there? Or is it just like... And then Rosalind shows up. Yeah, we know what ending we're going towards, so we got to get rid of her. Right? It's been a week and she decides to come up here. Like, did she even say why? Uh, I think she did. I think she said something like she, like, missed him and wanted to see him again or something. See, and this is where saying, Shady Side's not very far. I can come visit you would have led to this because we'd have been like, <gasps> Nicholas, you keep forgetting that your girl, your fiance is going to come see you soon. Oh, no. Oh, no. You've got to kill her before Rosalind shows up. And if she was like, right arrived the day early or something if they had made plans or something yeah this, this like, and then he had ticking a ticking clock, clock of when yep. she's gonna get here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but no instead she just fucking shows up and he like says oh you need to go f- to the hotel get the hell out of here and of course ruth sees her and is like oh is this one of your friends like h- how would you even know that he had any friends like right and a girl showing up in the middle of the night. And he's like, nope, don't know her. This is Rosalind. And she was just looking for directions to the hotel. Like, uh-huh, you're not smart. I, I do just want to note, he doesn't even ask her what she's doing there. Oh, my God. They meet. They hug. She's like, something's wrong. Tell me what's wrong. And then he's just like, you got to go. You got to <laughs> get out of here. And then they get interrupted. And we never find, find out, out why or how. Why she's there. Nope. And it's so weird because poor Rosalind is like a non-character in the two scenes she has. And yet she's ostensibly his whole reason for doing everything. Yeah. So they decide they're, or Ruth says, yes, come in. We're just about to toast our wedding. Oh, I'm Mrs. Nicholas Fear. Which, of course, like, shouldn't say fear and like look at him and be like, it's like, you didn't write her letters. I know that's true. He's, and he also says it's only been a few days. She shouldn't understand the significance of the fear thing. Yeah. The sending. Ugh. When he gets back, you know, he's grabbed another glass and he was going to give that one to Rosalind. But no, she has she has a glass that was sitting there. Which one is it? And like, 
obviously, it's the one with the rat poison. There's tension in this book uh, for two sentences at any yeah, given every time. time. Yeah, yeah. Something going to be wrong? Oh, she's dead. She just like shows up to die. Yeah. And Ruth's <laughs> like, you got to get rid of the body. <laughs> <laughs> right, Ruth, unsurprised. Not at all. She totally knew. I feel like she walked in, grabbed Nicholas's glass, being like, yeah, I know what's fucking going on. And Mm -hmm. it's just like, yeah, I will murder anyone. You want to try to murder me? I'll murder other people. I don't fucking care. So now Nicholas has nothing basically to fight for and just fucking capitulates. Yeah, she tells him that she can... Okay, so she tells him that she knows what the amulet is. Oh yeah, that she wanted him from the moment she met him because of the amulet. And she knows about its history because, and I quote, my nurse used to work at the fear mansion. She told me many tales about your family. All right, listen. And yet everybody died in the fire. Right. This girl is like maybe 16. She's very young, right? Mm -hmm. The fire happened 19 years ago and there were kids at that place like 20 years before that. So how fucking old was this nurse who was coming <laughs> Why to was take she telling Ruth about the amulet? Truly, the people in this town just—it—that's all they fucking. They're talk so about. obsessed with the fears. They just everybody they come across, they're like, hey, "Have you heard about the fears and like their boneless children? Like, <laughs> you gotta hear the history." Every day's man. a no bones day for the fears. <laughs> Genuinely, they have nothing else to occupy their time. The fears are the culture in Shadyside. Yes, no, agreed. There's nothing else going on. They've got nothing else to do. As soon as they have uh, social media, it's all just going to be talking about the fears, whether or not they're alive. Right? In their world, they have FearNet, but it's like Twitter. <laughs> and it's just 24-7 coverage of the fears. It's not Facebook, it's Fearbook. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Amazing. Perfect. Uh, no notes. Right, so she's going to teach him how to wield his power, and... Oh, God, no, wait, hold on, I want to read it. I did not have to marry Ruth, Nicholas realized. The power was mine all along. I can still kill her. I can kill her right now. I know what you are thinking, Nicholas, Ruth said quietly. You think you can have the power you crave without me. You are thinking about murdering me. (laughs) It's like, why? Yes. Yes, he is. Yeah, it's like, he should be. He could be. He could. And then he's like, why shouldn't I? And she's like, because I know how to do the shit and you don't. It's just, I didn't have to, didn't have to marry this girl. I could kill her. You're thinking about killing me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Oh, no, you caught me. And now you acknowledge it. So I can't do it. Fuck. It's like, yep. No, can't do it. Too expected. Let me get our two page epilogue. I'm sorry. One. It's not even one page if you took out the giant space for epilogue. It's like three quarters of a page where they open up a new house, the first house on Fear Street. And Ruth leans over to Nicholas and says, I have a surprise for you. I am carrying your child. When did he fuck the dead fish girl? Well, I mean, there is an unspecified time jump. So no, I just mean, when would he fuck her? He's not in love with her. She's not in love with him. He never has to touch her. I mean, she is in love with him, though. No, she's not. She's even said it. She just said she wanted... Oh, hold on. Mm, can't find it. She said that she'd, like, decided she was going to marry him, but that doesn't mean that she loves him. I mean, why else would she... For the fucking amulet. For the power. Like, she's been pretty clear. I think she just thinks he's hot. Uh, maybe. 
I, when reading it, I got the implication that she was just like, I want this power and to have the power I need to have you. She says she's done everything for him. He wanted power. Now he can have it. She can teach him how to harness it. Ridiculous. Either way, I can't believe he fucking like came inside this girl. (laughs) She's like, look, you're going to jerk off and then I'll just take that and we'll continue your family line. Well, no, as we've established, though, he doesn't really have to come inside her. He just has to give her a smooch, give her a kiss on the cheek, just kind of be in her presence for more than 20 minutes. No, that's definitely where I think it probably went is like, I think he kissed her very vaguely uh, when they got married. And that was it. She was pregnant. Yep. Like I said, contagious. (laughs) And somebody's like, oh, the child will grow up. All things Nicholas never had. Power and wealth. It's just like, dude, why are you like, no, just no character consistency whatsoever. This is the fear curse, man. All of them, they're just little greed monkeys. Like they need the shiny coins. (laughs) Jonathan's a good boy and Daniel's a himbo, but ultimately a good boy. That's it. Those are the only fears that don't want power. Yep. So ridiculous. That's the book. I, yeah, man, what a fucking retread. I was really hoping for some, I, you know what I was hoping for? Mm. One fucking story. That yes. would have been great. Because I thought it was just going to be Nora's story or just Nicholas's story. But instead, we basically just get another Fear Saga book, except worse written and, like, boring. Because it's just the same stuff over and over again. Yeah. I'm hopeful that, was it House of Secrets is the next one? I think so. House of Whispers, maybe. The one by Wendy and supposedly Bob. I hope that because it's like, I think a cousin is visiting Angelica, Mm -hmm. that it doesn't have to be the same fears and goods and all of that, that it could just be a spooky book. Yeah, the summary seems to imply that it is, you know, pre, uh, you know, we know how Angelica and Simon die. Yeah. So this, at the very least, is not like trying to tell a new story about the fears and the goods. It's just like some shit that happens when the fears are doing their dark magic, which is honestly yeah. probably how it should be. That's what I want. I just want to see Angelica and Simon being fucking murder spouses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They're so interesting when they're younger. And we, like you said, we know how they fucking go. So there's potential there for something fun. Maybe it's why they have to leave and they head off to Shadyside. Right? That's a a very good possibility. Yeah. It's probably more thought than Bob put into his outline, though. I appreciate, you know, because we did discuss when we were talking about Simon and Angelica that we wish that there was more New Orleans content. Yes. So I appreciate that Wendy saw that void and filled Mm. it. Even if there's only this one, at least somebody's tried. So I look forward to reading that eventually. Yeah. This was a disappointment. Because I loved Nora, so that whole section was disappointing to have her be so focused on just this child. And again, and again, it's like, I'm a middle schooler or high schooler probably who's reading this, not someone who's in their 40s, like, mm-hmm. as the target audience. How is that interesting? Your target audience doesn't give a shit. I mean, they will, but, like, not really. It's like, this is just some lady trying to protect her baby. Like, again, give her some fucking more. Give her some personality to to want to fight against. But no, and then she just has, you know not cancer, and dies five pages into the next section. It's really just an expedited bridge into Nicholas's story, which is wild because Nicholas's story, not that interesting. Yeah, I would have been happier 
not happy, but, you know, happier to not have Nora's section. To just have Nicholas have grown up with whatever rich family. And for some some crazy lady who's definitely like 36 and super old, (laughs) show up and tell him, You are my son. You're Daniel Fear's son. This amulet is your birthright. I must give it to you before I die in your arms of this thing that is not cancer. That at least would be a different story. Yeah. I don't think I would recommend this one. Nope. It's definitely a snooze. The lowest of low effort uh, projects. Yeah. The writing is just not fun. Mm -mm. Super fast, though. I did appreciate how fast I was able to read this book, even if it was just kind of like, doop-dop, then this happened, then this happened. I was like, all right, moving right along. (laughs) I found so often I would just like, I can read a couple pages. And then I was just like devouring chapters. (laughs) Well, they are bite size. They are. And then it's like, oh, I can just read one more, one more, one more. <laughs> How about you? Uh, Yeah, no, I was uh, salty the whole two days I was reading it that I could not <laughs> be reading something more interesting. It just no. hit me worse this time. Uh, and, you know, being of lesser quality did not endear me to the whole commercial endeavor that Bob sort of has going on. So, yeah, I hope the next one's more fun. Yeah, me too. All right. You can find the podcast on Twitter at Backless Podcast. You can't find me anywhere. Tough shit. (laughs) I mean, you probably shouldn't anyway. It's fine. It's interesting uh, to be on, like, not social media, really. Mm -hmm. To just kind of hang out on Discord. I guess there's that. If someone wants to, like, come hang out with us on Discord, message the podcast. And then we'll see. We'll vet Find you. Find some sort of vetting process. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally just come talk to us. Like, it really doesn't take that much. But we're on Patreon. Patreon.com slash backlist and chill. Yeah. And we have a red bubble that you can find through there with silly stuff. I know we recently posted Raven's art for Our Lady of the Perpetual Threesome. Eternal polyamorous triad. Oh, there we go. Eternal polyamorous triad, Catherine. Mm-hmm. And it's so good. The art is super it good. Is. Raven's wonderful. You get that as a sticker. You take yourself to the dollar store. You buy yourself a dollar store saint candle. And Bam. And slap that sucker on there. Bam. Beautiful. That's my plan. I love it. Someday I want to have one. Yeah. All right. See y'all next time where hopefully we have... More ridiculous than this book's campy death scenes. That's what I want. We'll see. (laughs) All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.